I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Anarchy. Nothing personal. Word of the day for July 28th is anarchy. That's what's happening in Major League Baseball. We have no idea what's happening. We have no idea who's leading. We have no idea who's following. Anarchy is when there are no rules and everyone's just fending for themselves. One of the great movie lines was when someone in a movie that, of course, is not in my brain at the moment said that they are joining a club of anarchists. To which the response was, how could anarchists actually have a club? Because that would go against the very rules inherent in the word anarchy. Why do I think baseball is full of anarchy? God, it's been a day. Are you following the news minute by minute, test by test, positive by positive, cancellation by cancellation? Let's start with the Miami Marlins. As of yesterday, you know that they were in Philadelphia. They had 11 players test positive. They were retesting everyone, awaiting results. And the hope was that there'd be no more positive results. They would get on a bus and go to Baltimore and get ready to play Wednesday, July 29th in Baltimore. Well, we woke up this morning on July 28th and found that four more Marlins have tested positive. That is 15 players are now positive for COVID-19. That's 15 out of their entire pool of 60 players. That's a positivity rate of 25%. Or you could go to 15 out of the traveling players of 33, and that's closer to 48%. That is definitely an outbreak. So what do we know? What's happening Well, first we got word that the Yankees-Phillies game tonight is going to be postponed again, second day in a row, after we heard that the Phillies had all tested negative, except for a visiting clubhouse attendant. Surprise, surprise. And that's after we heard the commissioner go on MLB Network, don't get me started, go on MLB Network and answer three softball questions, one of which included a response that said, no, this is not a nightmare. We were prepared for positive tests. The show goes on. We feel confident. There's no talk of cancellation. There's no talk of suspending the season. We are confident in our protocols. We were prepared for positive tests. Then why are they postponing games? How can you say that you're prepared for this, but then you postpone games? Well, Major League Baseball said out of an abundance of caution, My favorite word. When we used an abundance of caution, we would do that when hurricanes were coming to Miami. Out of abundance of caution, we will be closing the office tomorrow. Out of an abundance of caution, the Marlins will be playing on the road instead of at home. Out of an abundance of caution, we are not playing this player because he got hit in the head, because of his elbow, his knee, his toes, his head, his shoulder, 
his ears or his nose. Whenever we said abundance of caution, we never meant it. You say abundance of caution when you want people to really believe that at this moment, you really care. The other moments when you're just showing a modicum of caution or a smidgen of caution, eh, you don't care so much. A smidgen of caution is when you walk across the street, it says don't walk, and you just sort of use your peripheral vision to see if cars are coming at you. It's a smidgen of caution. An abundance of caution are the people who sit on the sidewalk in New York waiting for the walk sign, which drives me crazy. In baseball, the abundance of caution to postpone the Phillies game, even though there were no negative tests. Sorry. Three, two, go. An abundance of caution in Philly, even though there were no positive tests, is very interesting to me because when there are no positive tests, I would think we can return to the modicum threshold and skip the abundance threshold for when you have a team have 15 positive tests and then say, out of an abundance of caution, we are going to tighten the protocols and test every day. But if the Marlins have 25 to 30 people out of their 60 who are still negative, play ball. So everything seems okay. The Yankees are leaving Philly. They're going back to Philly right now. You've got the Orioles who went back to Baltimore. They're not in Miami. You've got the Marlins who are in a Philadelphia hotel waiting. We mistakenly, and we did this on HQ, and I want to correct it, that the Marlins are quarantined in Philadelphia. No. They're stranded in Philadelphia. They're not quarantined. So they're sitting in Philadelphia waiting to get on a bus to go to Baltimore. The Yankees are in Philadelphia waiting to get on a bus to go to New York. The Phillies are in Philadelphia waiting to get on a bus to go to New York. It's a lot of buses. So now let's circle back and ask, why is anarchy the word of the day? Well, reports are out now that the Washington Nationals have voted to not play in Miami this weekend for the scheduled weekend series. So let me tell you how this goes, because I laughed when I saw it. It's a report by Ken Rosenthal. We had one vote during my time with the Marlins, the 16 years, two with the Expos. And it wasn't a real vote because the result of the vote didn't matter to me. It's when the players were upset about going to Puerto Rico during Zika, and we met with the team. They expressed their desire not to play. I listened. And I said, all right, we'll call the league and see what happens. Call your union and tell your union you don't want to play. But voting in this clubhouse to not go to San Juan to play during the time of Zika has about as much importance of my mail-in vote of COCA for president. So the Nats followed the Marlins' lead in the very widely reported comment that the Marlins had gotten together and voted to play on Sunday. Who cares? They can get together all they want and vote on whatever they want until the union says to Major League Baseball and the owners and the commissioner that we've got members of our union who are not showing up to work. They will not show up to work. What are you going to do about it? 
that's when it gets interesting. So reporting that the Nationals, I understand that's all Ken had to go with, and that's fine, but it's what's next that we're watching because this is when anarchy begins. First, the Nationals say they won't go to Miami. Then the Marlins say they're not going to go to Miami. Then whoever else the Marlins are playing, the Phillies, the Mets, they all say they don't want to go to Miami. Then the Marlins say they don't want to play on the road like the Blue Jays don't want to play on the road for 60 games. So maybe the Marlins try to find a new place to play. But is that because it's not safe at Marlins Park? Because the visiting clubhouse attendant at Marlins Park isn't taking care of the visiting teams? That's wrong. The visiting clubhouse attendant with the Marlins was there with me. He hasn't gotten let go yet by Jeter's group. He's the best in the business. Believe me, he's cleaning. There's some other teams not so sure as we examine how the Marlins could have gone from zero positive tests to 18 the minute they went on the road to Atlanta and Philly. I'm not calling into question the practices in Atlanta. Don Mattingly did. So the Marlins vote to play Sunday irrelevant. The Nationals vote not to go to Miami. Here's your itinerary. Here's when the plane leaves. You better be on the plane or you're going to be restricted. As president of the Nationals, I'm now going down to meet with the team, social distancing with a mask on, and I'm going to say, listen, guys, here's your choices. Until baseball cancels those games, we've got games to play in Miami. I'm happy to call the owner of the Marlins and ask if they want to switch and play in Washington. I'm happy to call MLB and see if they'll switch the schedule. But is your issue that you don't want to go to Miami, the cesspool Petri petri dish of COVID? Or do you not want to be on the same field as the Marlins who tested negative? But then why do you want to be on the same field with anybody who tests negative? Oh, are you now saying that your union's telling you that the negative tests don't matter? That it's possible that when they test negative, they're actually positive? Hold on one second, fellow Nats players. I have a call on the other line from Juan Soto. One second. Juan, we need you back. How you doing? Man, I got to play again. I'm very frustrated because I keep testing negative, then I'm positive, then I'm negative. Which am I? And I understand I got to get two negative tests within 24 hours before I can play, but I think I have, but then I'm positive again, and then I got to start again. I'm very confused. Juan, one second. Hey, rest of the Nationals players, what about Juan Soto? Are you willing to play with him? Because he was a positive, then a negative, never was symptomatic. You were more than happy to play the recent games. It's all very confusing. What do you want me to do? Well, you tell me. And if I'm a president, I'm going to listen to the players. I'll say, all right, I'll call him Rob. I'll call Rob Manford. Rob Manford, we know during his interview with MLB Network, said the show goes on. We're not thinking of canceling. This is not a nightmare. So what am I supposed to do? Call Rob and say, My guys don't want to play. Rob would say, David, take care of your own clubhouse. Don't bother me with this. Take care of your own clubhouse. The anarchy happens when multiple teams decide that they will not travel and play against teams where there are positive tests. People are playing the Braves. People are playing the Reds. People are playing the Nationals. A lot going on. If anarchy happens, we may have to do a bonus pod. Can you imagine, Coca, if 12 teams stand up and say we're done? So far, no players have opted out. 
since the season started. Football is doing it a little better. We're going to talk about football. I'm going to get to it later in the show. We're going to give some love to Kyrie Irving. We're going to talk about what he's done. And I've given Kyrie Irving some, some, uh, what's the word, Coca? It's right here again. I've given him some negativity, but that's not the word. I've given him some criticism over the way he's acted. I've given him some flack. That's the word. That's exactly what I was thinking. Thank you, Coca. And I've given him some flack, but it's time to give him some love. And we'll get to that later in the show. I want to talk about NFL right now and opting out because what we saw in MLB is that players who had a lot of guaranteed money left were going to opt out like a David Price or a Buster Posey. Players who were going to be free agents, younger players, for the most part, are not going to opt out because they're playing for their bread and they're playing for their free agency. Because if you don't play, you don't get service time unless you're high risk. So the NFL has had the advantage this entire time. They have had the advantage of seeing what happens with the other sports because NBA and NHL had to cancel toward the end of the regular season. They had to postpone and suspend their season. MLB was about to start. They were in the middle of spring training, but NFL was during having a regular off season. So the NFL today is the day. I think I lose my weight to see Coca. We said that training camps would be delayed past July 28th. It appears training camps are opening today on schedule. And Roger Goodell is paying very close attention to what's going on with the Marlins, trying to figure out what steps he should take, if any. People are calling for a bubble in football. Not going to happen. People are calling for a delay in the regular season. Not going to happen. NFL wants to play. There's a lot of this involved. I'm putting my fingers together if you're listening to this in the money motion. But the way the NFL dealt with opt-outs is there's a deadline. It's not like as a team president in baseball where every day I have to stare at my cell phone waiting for a call from the GM that a player may have opted out and figuring out how to do it. As it is, you stare at your phone when you're the president of a team waiting for a call from the trainer or GM about a hurt player, about any other issues, clubhouse fighting, clubhouse drama. Any else, anything else that goes on inside a clubhouse. The NFL said, we're not going to do that. If you want to opt out, you've got till August 3rd, period, hard stop, either opt out or not. But after August 3rd, you're in like Flynn, you're playing. Remember up in the air with George Clooney, Vera Farmiga, Anna Kendrick, love that movie. Jason Bateman from Ozark, Ozark, which just received, I think, 18 Emmy nominations today. Congratulations to Ozark. Succession, Schitt's Creek did great today. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So in the movie Up in the Air, Jason Bateman takes a post-it note. He curls it together. He says to George Clooney, here's the boat. Are you in the boat or are you not? And George Clooney says, I'm not in that boat. Jason Bateman throws the post-it away and the movie continues. One of my top 10 movies of all time. The NFL is asking the same question. Are you in the boat or are you not? Well, we learned today that there are a lot of Patriots who are not in the boat. Starting with Dante Hightower, there are currently six Patriots, five starters who have opted out of the season. Tom Brady opted out already to play in Tampa. Rob Gronkowski opted out of retirement to play in Tampa. Is this the end of the Patriots? 
I'm fascinated by this season in the AFC East. If you're the Buffalo Bills or the Biffalo Buffs, any Dr. Seuss fans, Buffalo Bill, Biffalo Buff, the 23 sons of Mrs. McDave, and she called them all Dave. And one day when she would call Dave, they'd all come running. So she decided to change their names. And one was Buffalo Bill and one was Biffalo Buff. I have no idea why that came into my mind just now. It is hard to imagine. But the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets, they got to be excited. They got a chance. Is it possible that the Patriots will not win the AFC East? Is it possible that the opt-outs are actually going to hurt the Patriots more than any other team, even though the Chiefs, Ravens, Seahawks, Cowboys, the Washington football team, and the Bears have all had players opt out, but the Patriots lead the league. Do you think it's possible that there's some Patriots who are opting out because they don't want to deal with Bill Belichick? Because without Brady, without thinking they have a chance to go to the SB, why would they bother? Well, Hightower has a two-week-old son, So he said, too dangerous, me and my fiance are going to hold out. Every player has his own reason. But I wonder if deep down, they want to leave on top. Well, we'll see if these players come back. We'll see what happens with the Patriots. I, for one, am rooting very hard for the Patriots because it's quite an F you to Brady if the Patriots, with all of these opt-outs and losing Brady, with Cam Newton, can still win the division. God, it would be despondent time for the Buffalo Buffs. So the NFL has this deadline. We'll see what happens going forward. The NFL is monitoring MLB, trying to figure out what to do with their travel because the minute MLB started traveling is when the outbreak started, but it's only one team. So they're hoping MLB will investigate, find out why the Marlins had this outbreak, see if the NFL can tweak its protocols to avoid that. I'm still calling for NFL to travel on game day. I was on Pat McAfee's show. I told McAfee, what I wanted, and McAfee said no chance. As a player, he would never play on the day of travel. He said you get tired, your legs get crampy and achy, blah, blah, blah. Come on, Pat. Congratulations, by the way. He's getting married this weekend. I have no idea why I'm congratulating him on nothing personal. I should have congratulated him to his face on the McAfee show, but I'm just thinking of it now, maybe because Coco only told me about it after the fact. Maybe Coke hasn't told me about it at all. I can't remember. In any case, why did even McAfee come up? Coke, I I can't do it. It's, It's 20 minutes into the show. That's it. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I moved on. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you get on the Twitter at David P. Samson. You can follow me. Now, if you've been following me on Twitter for a while, you know that often I do tweets that make me laugh and maybe not other people. Often I'll tweet something that is sarcastic and I don't put the rolly eye emoji because I would think you'd get it. I have to mention a tweet I sent today because I can't believe how misunderstood it was. It's a tweet that is about going to dinner with Derek Jeter. It was a joke, but some people said, wow, is there a detente? Are you joining the Marlins? No, no. I'm on Twitter at David P. Sampson. You're in my DMs, and we're watching Half-Baked together. Someone got into my Twitter, asked a question. Do you expect managers to watch pitch counts during a shortened season like they would in a 162-game season? 
And do you expect pitchers in the playoffs to pitch on shorter rest than they might normally because they would have pitched fewer innings throughout the season? That is a great question. Thank you. Do I expect managers to watch pitch counts during a shortened season? No. Do I expect pitchers in the playoffs to pitch on shorter rest? Yes. Is that because they've pitched fewer innings throughout the season? Yes. Do I think that that's the right decision? No. Are there more injuries to pitchers now because of the shortened spring training exactly the way we talked about? Yes. Does that make me think twice about not pitching a pitcher who we have signed to a long-term deal on short rest and watching his innings? Yes. Does it make me throw pitchers at short rest who I don't have in my future and not watching their innings? Yes. Is any of this different because of the shorter season? No. That's my answer. What about current managers? Well, Dusty Baker said something yesterday that got more than a little guffaw to me. Talking about Verlander's injury and some of the injuries to the rest of his bullpen, Ryan Presley's injured, a few other guys. Dusty Baker is now the manager of the Astros after A.J. Hinch got fired for banging trash cans. Get your mind out of the gutter. Dusty Baker was asked about whether he thought the short spring had caused rash of pitcher injuries. He said, I think it has a lot to do with it. The pitchers need that extra time. The injuries are all around baseball. It's everywhere. And I laughed. Do you know what Dusty Baker, as a man, I've had a chance to meet him, very particular. He has his toothpicks in order. His sweatpants have to be in a certain order on his desk that the visiting club he has to do. He's a very gentle man and a good man. The only thing is he'd never be a manager for me because he runs his pitchers into the ground. I've got a World Series ring, mostly because he ran the Cubs pitchers into the ground in 03 with reckless indifference to their futures. You never really heard much about Kerry Wood, did you? Or Mark Pryor. Basically blew out. They were so overused in 2003. The Bartman game is famous for Bartman, should be famous for the Alex Gonzalez error on the Miguel Cabrera double play ball in the eighth inning. But what it's famous for me for is that Mark Pryor was still pitching in the eighth inning and we knew we'd get to him even though he had a 2-0 lead. But the reality was that Dusty Baker uses his pitchers in a way that we knew that Mark Pryor may not survive that eighth inning. So for Dusty Baker to come out and say there's a rash of injuries sort of made me smile. Because, yeah, there are, but you're not exactly a pitcher-friendly manager. That said, he's exactly right. And people who've been watching and listening to Nothing Personal or watching HQ, CBS Sports HQ, have been very aware of that. So I appreciate the So You Want to Talk to Samson question. I would not expect managers to watch pitch counts. They need to win games. Every game is worth 2.7 games and maybe more. With COVID, with the Yankees and Phillies losing several games, the Marlins and Orioles losing several games, with the Marlins being a first-place team, the fact is there could be teams who don't get to 60 games. And the like 1981, when there was a strike, the playoffs were based on winning percentage. And they were, not all teams play the same number of games. So in theory, you could have a situation where teams play fewer games, which means you got to win games, which means if you got pitching, you got to use it. Coming up after the break, we're riding roller coasters.
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back. I want to review this movie because I learned a lot and I got to watch it. I can't remember what streaming service. I know someone had asked me on Twitter to mention every streaming service where I see it. I want to say it was Amazon, but it could have been Netflix and it could have been Hulu. One of those are the three. It's called The Kid from Coney Island. Coney Island is where they have roller coasters and amusement parks. I've grew up in New York my whole life. I've never been to Coney Island, although that has nothing to do with anything other than I've never been to the Statue of Liberty either. It's very bizarre. The Kid from Coney Island, which you can find on Netflix, is a movie about and a documentary about an old player who you may have heard of of, named Stefan Marbury. Stefan Marbury was a playground legend in the streets of New York. I mean, L-E-G-E-N-D, bigger than Will Smith. He had an NBA career that had him playing in Minnesota. There was a divorce from Kevin Garnett, his good friend, after they'd become teammates. He played with the Nets. He played with the Knicks. And it never really worked out in his big league career, his NBA career. Tons of talent. Famous from way too young. So much pressure put on him. His family was full of basketball players. They all wanted one of them to make the NBA, and Stefan was the only one who did. It's a documentary that follows him. But the most important, most interesting part of this documentary, for me, was the way Stefan Marbury reinvented himself by taking a chance. He was one of the early adapters to China. He went to play in China, and he became the superest of superstar, like on one little tick level below Kobe Bryant and Yao Ming. That's how big Stefan Marbury was. He went to China and won championships. He went to China, became the, fans, the face of the Beijing franchise, two of them. He went to China and created a shoe company that sold to the masses at a very cheap price point. He made himself a career in China. When he retired and played his last game, there was people, there were people crying in the stands. 
crying for Stefan Marbury. The same Stefan Marbury where he got booed in Madison Square Garden. He had fights with Isaiah Thomas, his coach. It's, it was a nightmare. So I went into this movie planning on not liking Stefan Marbury. And I couldn't have been more wrong. The documentary paints him as a pleasant, smart, interesting, worldly man with business acumen, basketball acumen, family acumen, social acumen, deals with kids. I'm all in on Stefan Marbury, and I'm thankful I watched it because I had judged a book by its cover, and I don't mean tattoos. I love tattoos. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that the New York papers had always treated him as though he was a malcontent. It turns out he was just a necessary villain, a role I'm familiar with. But in real life, according to this documentary, there's a lot of layers to that onion. The kid from Coney Island. Okay, on July 31st, you have three days to please vote for this. In the details of this pod, if you're listening, there is a link on the Nothing Personal YouTube channel, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. There's a link. We are up for podcast of the year. We'd like to get nominated. We appreciate your loyalty. We appreciate all the views and all the listens and downloads. However you are getting this podcast, thank you. Truly thank you. At the end of the month, within three days, we're going to do a mailbag pod. Get your last-minute questions in by rating us on Apple. A special prize when we get to 1,000 reviews. So rate us five stars, write a review, and then ask a question in that review, and I'll answer it directly on a mailbag pod at the end of the month. We're going to get to talk a little bit, Patrick Mahomes, but first I want to get to Kyrie Irving. We said we would and we are. As part of this pod, nothing personal, I want to make sure that people understand where I'm coming from. And where I'm coming from is that I'm going to be critical of people, but I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to make predictions about games and about things that are going on in the world. And I'm going to be honest when I'm right and when I'm wrong. That's important. The relationship that I have with you here at Nothing Personal is that I'm not perfect. I have corrections that I have to make during shows. I make mistakes. I think things are going to happen that, are, that don't. I give you my view of things because having spent 18 years in a room where a lot of things happened, I can give unique insight into stuff. And I've been pretty critical of Kyrie Irving, including saying that he's been a problem wherever he's gone. When you're on a team with Kyrie, it's about Kyrie, not about the team. But the truth is, there's another side to him that we're going to highlight right now. Excuse me. Kyrie Irving has donated $1.5 million to WNBA players who have chosen to sit out the season for either social justice reasons or COVID-19 reasons. He has something called the KAI Empowerment Initiative. I assume Kyrie Irving, Irving's middle name is A. Starts with an A, but I don't know. This empowerment initiative is to try to help women in the WNBA 
try to make ends meet. They don't make the kind of money that Kyrie Irving makes or even that the minimum players in the NBA make. And he has been out front about the social justice issues, calling for the NBA not to play, saying he's not going into the bubble, even though he's hurt, not eligible to go into the bubble, but say he's not because of social justice issues that he doesn't want the NBA to forget about. I was so proud to read this. You know how I feel about charity. You've watched it here on Nothing Personal. I'm not a judgy person at all, um, but I'm very judgy. So let me, let me reiterate and say it differently. So to say this in a slightly more coherent way, or is, I'd like to say, I think I love you. Now that's a different line. Kyrie Irving, I have judged people who are not charitable. Kyrie Irving, I now judge you as someone who's extremely charitable. There's a tweet going around about all of the money he's given away. Forget the fact that you think he's rich. It doesn't matter if you give away a dollar or a million dollars or a trillion dollars. It's the act of giving and being charitable and helping people who cannot help themselves in whatever way you can. A quarter a day. We talked about it during the ML Beer Challenge. The amount doesn't matter. But for Kyrie Irving to put his money where his mouth is and to continually help people the way he has means that just like Stefan Marbury, I was wrong, that there are a lot of different sides to people. And I'm going to promise not to be so hypercritical about an entire person and only keep the criticism to that which they're doing in that specific moment, that action about that topic. So I'm still critical of Kyrie and how he handled not playing basketball, but I'm extremely complimentary of Kyrie and the KAI Empowerment Initiative, and I hope a lot of your teammates and a lot of players donate to that, and I hope you keep going, Kyrie. We got word today. This is a good one. I always like this. So the Kansas City Royals just got sold. Remember they the uh, a guy named... Uh, Bruce Sherman, not the Bruce Sherman. His name is John Sherman. I think it could be Bruce Sherman. John Sherman, who is the owner. Bruce Sherman owns the Marlins. John Sherman owns the Royals. He bought the team from the Glass family for a billion dollars. Now the Royals have released a press release just now that Patrick Mahomes has joined the ownership group of the Kansas City Royals. John Sherman said, we're very proud and excited to have Patrick as our partner in the ownership group. Along with the rest of Kansas City, I've watched him compete and become an extraordinary leader. Now, Patrick Mahomes is the son of Patrick Mahomes, the baseball player. Patrick Mahomes grew up in Major League Baseball clubhouses. It's amazing that he joined the Kansas City Royals ownership group because owners are always looking to bring equity in so they can write fewer checks. They're always looking to lower their investment by getting new limited partners in. It's perfect to get the star athlete of your city because Mahomes is now married to Kansas City, period. He is there for that 12-year deal. I wonder what will happen if the Chiefs end up cutting him seven years in. What will he do with his ownership piece? Patrick Mahomes is going to maybe learn a little bit about ownership if John Sherman will let him. Patrick Mahomes will have a chance with his half a billion dollars, which as we know is not half a billion dollars, one day to maybe be a control person like A-Rod or like Derek. This could be the beginning. Wait to see. It's pretty cool, cool news if you live in Kansas City. Pretty cool news. Okay, 
I want to move on to another quick Jamal Adams update. It's impossible to believe that Jamal Adams, the new Seahawks safety, is still on the show. How could it be? He's been in so many times. I said it yesterday. It's almost impossible. Well, it happened. It happened. There's more news. Do you remember we talked about the Jets GM, Joe Douglas, and how the Jets traded Adams and got two first-round picks and a third-round pick after Adams said he didn't want to play for Gase and Gase wasn't a good leader? Do you remember all that? Well, I do. Well, Joe Douglas couldn't leave good enough alone. I guess it's called well enough, Coca. When talking about Jamal Adams, Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, for no reason at all, if I'm the president of the Jets, I am saying to Douglas and to everyone else, to Gase, the coach, Douglas, the GM, zip it. No talk about Jamal Adams. We've turned the page. Focus on the 20 season. But nope. He said that Adams' outspokenness had no impact on the decision to trade him to the Seahawks. Are you crapping me? His outspokenness had nothing to do with trading him. Come on, man. It's just not true, Joe. No matter what haul you got back, don't say that you didn't trade a player who impugned the ability of your head coach to coach. You either had to fire the head coach or trade the player. But you ruined it. You ruined it by coming out and saying his outspokenness had no impact on the decision to trade him. And then he took the time to refute a different claim by Jamal Adams saying, by the way, I want to make clear I never promised an offer to Jamal or his agent, and I've never been dishonest with any communication. Jamal Adams, as you recall, thought there was a deal on the table pre-pandemic and was upset the deal wasn't on the table post-pandemic. I guarantee that happened because Joe Douglas heard from Woody Johnson in the UK while he put people in his UK ambassadorship house on hold. He called up Christopher, his brother, said, call Joe and say, tell Jamal that deal's off the table. I promise you that's how that happened. Leave it alone, Joe. Although his last line in his statement was pretty good. Look, Joe Douglas said, this is a business and you don't take things personally. (laughs) Anyway, made me laugh. Joe, you had no reason to do it. Literally no reason in the world. Jamal, please don't respond. Please don't respond. Okay. I want to get back to Major League Baseball right now, and I want to talk about extra innings because I'm getting a lot of blowback on Instagram, on Twitter, and people talking about the extra inning rule, people wondering, is it fair, is it not? The Cleveland Indians, I was on a Cleveland radio show this morning, Today is July 28th, 92.3. No, that's not it. I can't remember. Is it 92? Hold on. I don't want to get this wrong because I don't want to make a correction. I'm going to the calendar. It is, no, it is not that. It is. It was the Ken Carmen radio show, which could be on 92.3. I'm actually not sure. But in any case, the reality is that they were upset because the Indians lost a game this weekend 
against the Kansas City Royals in extra innings, and the pitching staff of the Indians didn't give up a hit during the extra innings. But remember, a man starts on second base. So remember, you've got a situation where a man's on second, they bunted him over to third, hit a sacrifice fly to score the run. That's not a hit. And, well, one of their best pitchers, Mike Clevenger, ripped the extra inning rule. He got angry. I get that you're going to be emotional about it. We've had about four extra inning games in baseball since the season started. All of them have ended in the 10th inning. That's the purpose of the extra inning rule, is not to have 17 inning games because it totally screws with your pitching staff. You spend half the time calling the minor leagues to get pitchers up there for the next game, except now there's no minor leaguers or a minor league season. So you have to call your satellite training, get a pitcher ready to go where you'd have to travel to the big league team, wherever the big league team is, because you don't have the pitchers on the taxi squad that you want who are there really in case of an injury during a particular game. You don't want 17 inning games. I wanted this extra inning rule from the beginning. That was my plan when I was in baseball. Starting a man on second base means you've got to actually execute to get a run scored. But don't worry if you're the home team. Mike, you know the Indians had a chance to win that game. Because when the Royals scored, you also had a man on second. Don't blame me that you couldn't execute properly. Bunting matters. Getting the ball in play. I used to watch games with Tony Perez and Andre Dawson. They'd get so frustrated. They're Hall of Famers. They were special assistants to the president of the Marlins from my, whenever I was there, from 02 to 17. We'd watch games together. They'd get so upset when players didn't execute. It would bother them so much because for them, they know to get a run batted in, you do whatever you need to do. If there's a shift, we would talk about these defensive shifts like what Bryce Harper did. Did you watch that? Phillies game against the Marlins while everyone was getting COVID the Marlins did this defensive switch where everyone was playing on the right side of the infield between first and second base all of the left side of the infield was empty between third base and shortstop Bryce Harper bunted the ball base hit like that he's on base now of course his three-run homer hurts more but when he's on base you want players on base waiting for the home run good things happen execution Mike Clevenger learning how to get runners in, situational hitting. Baseball has gotten so away from that, waiting for the three-run bomb, that the ability for players to have the skills to situationally hit has almost disappeared. I'm hoping this year it comes back. And if anything, we've seen that in these extra inning games, while the A's hit a walk-off grand slam in their extra inning game in the 10th inning, there's still opportunities for players to get them over and get them in. That used to be an expression when I got into baseball before the analytics people got there. Get them over, get them in. You know who didn't get anything in? The damn Red Sox. I'm one and two now. Nothing personal pick of the day. The NP pod. For some reason, I thought that Michael Walker would not actually have a good game against the Red Sox, but I forgot that Mookie Betts isn't on the team. I forgot the Red Sox have no pitching. I forgot the Red Sox basically stink. The Mets crushed them. I mean, it was only 7-4, but it wasn't that close. I can't believe it. One and two. So my NP pod today, 
I'm going with an underdog again. The St. Louis Cardinals are playing the Minnesota Twins. Carlos Martinez was the closer for the Cardinals last year. They've now moved him into the starting rotation. The Twins have the second-best lineup in baseball behind the Yankees, a tick ahead of the Astros. I think Carlos Martinez is going to be effective. He used to be a starter. And they're, as a team, the Cardinals, getting money. They're the underdogs. Grand slam pick of the day, risking going one and three. Plus, I get to fade Homer Bailey. I did that last season a lot. Homer Bailey, remember him, the overpaid guy from the Reds who got traded, released. There's 10 teams paying his contract, gets released, signed, can't pitch, gives up runs. Well, he's now with Minnesota, and I frankly like the chances. Grand slam pick is going to be the Cardinals. Okay. Wait to see. There were some people very thrilled and happy that we did a wait to see where we lined up all of the ones in a row to tell you when we're accountable, when we're not, because we are. When we get them wrong, we say no. When we get them right, we say yes. My wait to see today, I think I'm going to double down on MLB. And I could actually say this one is a yes, Coca, but I'm not going to. So my wait to see I sent to Coca last night is that in baseball, the show will go on. But... There will be another outbreak of four or more positive tests on a team. Today, the Marlins had four more positive tests, and the show is going on. So in theory, Coca, the wait to see is a yes before I even did it on the show. However, I know it has to be after the show comes out. Coca saying it has to be another team. It does not say that in the wait to see, but we're going to do it. The show will go on in baseball. Wait to see. There will be another outbreak of four or more positive tests on another team other than the Marlins. Wait to see. And we were very clear from baseball that it's definitely COVID or no COVID. We got games to play because it's a very large business. Sorry, Marlins. It's nothing personal. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.